Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm excited to be joined today by Mitch Reno, who's Principal Director of Customer Experience at Raymond. Mitch, welcome to the show. Great to be here. So you're here today to discuss some of the core principles and strategies that you help your clients implement to better engage with their customers. Before we get started, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our listeners? Absolutely. Um, uh, My name is Mitch Reno. I'm the principal uh, at uh, Raymond for client experience. I've been with the organization for about 23 years. Uh, working before as the chief marketing and sales officer. Raymond is located in the United States in Michigan, Ohio, and Florida, which spans from the top to the bottom. uh, And we operate in all uh, 50 states in the United States. So uh, very excited to be here. We operate as a professional services firm. Uh, It is a combination of accounting, wealth management, technology, and business consulting. And so we have the opportunity of serving both businesses and private households. Fabulous. Thank you for that introduction. Um, Now, as traditional on the show, to get things kicked off, I'd love for you to share a time recently where as a consumer, you experienced customer love firsthand and what impact that had on you as a consumer. I love to share that story. Uh, It happened fairly recently. I live in Naples, Florida, and in the past five or six years, we've had a couple of uh, fairly sizable hurricanes come through. So I decided for my home, it was time to get some hurricane shutters and uh, uh, prepare the house for any future hurricane or um, bad weather disasters. So I contacted a company called Storm Smart and uh, let them know out of the gate that when the salesperson came that I'm legally blind and that um, if there was anything that they could do um, in the process to assist me in being able to make a uh, well-educated decision on their products that that just to, to have that consideration in mind. The organization did a beautiful job of before the uh, actual sales presentation to me, sending electronic files that easily could be adjusted in size for me to view information about the products and the process and services that they provide. Then when the salesperson actually uh, showed up at the house, he was very well prepared and had printed out oversized documents and brought a magnifying glass with him um, so that it might assist me in the process of reviewing any of the information that was necessary. He also took the time to ask questions of me if I was seeing and understanding the information that he was presenting. And and he did a very um, uh, 
cordial way that didn't make me feel awkward um, about my, my visual limitations. So it was a really powerful experience. I'm, I'm a fairly frugal uh, uh, customer in most cases. <clears throat> so in, in, in most of my uh, buying habits, I'm gonna tend to look for something that is uh, on sale or at a lower price. And so I had planned to meet with three separate vendors. This was the first vendor I was going to meet with. It was probably the largest and most substantial well-known brand in the market. And uh, when I uh, got near the end of the process, I let them know. I said, you know, I, this has gone so well. You've really been uh, attentive to making this an easy buying process for me. Um, I generally would ask for a discount right now or let you know I was going to talk to other vendors. Uh, but based on all of the good work that you've done to make this easy for me as a visually impaired individual, uh, I just want to let you know that I'm ready to make the decision and we can move forward with the purchase and probably ended up spending, uh, my guess would be 15 to 20% more than I might have had I gone through a little bit more rigorous process of negotiating. That's such a fabulous example. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we had a guest on um, a few weeks ago, actually, Stacey Sherman, um, and we focused the entire episode on inclusive customer experience and the importance of it and how companies can improve um, and, and become more inclusive. And I think it's such an important area. Um, and I love the fact that you shared that example and what impact that had in the buying process as well. You know, the fact that you were probably lining up a couple of other vendors to speak to, you know, you typically ask for a discount, but because the experience was just so, you know, so good for you um, and they prepared so well, you've actually just kind of gone straight with them. Um, so that's a really, really great example. Thank you for sharing that, Mitch. Absolutely. Now, to get things kicked off, um, this idea of customer love, um, you know, obviously means different things to different people. Um, and as someone that's worked with um, a variety of different companies and obviously kind of supporting the customer experience arm within those businesses to be able to better engage with their customers. Um, and given that fabulous example of what as well you've just shared, um, I'd love to hear from you, what does customer love mean in your eyes? Customer love for me really goes to the, the very basics of human emotion. When you really consider the word love and, and what it means. Most of us think of it really as romantic love. We think of that in intensely emotional connection that, that is special and unlike anything else. But when we break down love and look at it uh, across all types of love, um, I think what's really powerful is, is to understand it's how it makes you feel. Um, customer love is feeling important. Customer love is feeling connected. Customer love is feeling understood. And it's the power of that relationship that a customer can feel with a business, the people that work at that business, and, and ultimately with the products or services that they're receiving that creates a foundation of the connection that ultimately builds what they think. I've always believed that people don't make decisions on what they think is the right thing to do. I think they make decisions emotionally. I think we then find reasons 
um, to make a, a decision on whatever purchase we uh, or investment we're going to be making. So the, the foundation and the driver of a decision is about that love experience, that connection that is made with a customer. And then the customer automatically wants to move to ratifying that emotion with, with good thoughts, objective reasons, you know, why they, they in fact should love. So what, what, customer love means to me is the power of how emotion can lead people to move through a thoughtful decision-making process that will help amplify the value-added benefits of a product or service and minimize any of the objections in their mind. Yeah. And again, to go back to the example at the start, I think it just proves it right. I mean, you made a rational purchase, of course, but there was a lot of emotion involved with that purchase as well. And the process of the purchase saying that you weren't going to visit other vendors, you weren't even going to ask for a discount because you felt that customer love. So that all ties in nicely. Um, Now, as we said at the top of the show, you specialize in helping businesses build better connections with their existing customers. But why is it so important for businesses to be looking to retain and grow their best customers and not just focusing on new customer acquisition? I think the why is is easy on the the surface. Um, I think we all come to a very quick conclusion that there is a strong sales and profit motive in focusing on existing clientele. Uh, more aggressively, perhaps, than focusing on uh, acquiring new logos, bringing in new clients to the organization. When I work with my organization or assist others, I try to take it to that deeper level of understanding the power of both expanding referrals and wallet share in the process. And that the cost of the acquisition of getting both referrals from satisfied, happy clients, as well as expanding and selling more services at probably a higher price and collecting that revenue faster from a a satisfied uh, customer who really loves your business, those clients are the ones that you can rely on to help you expand both within those relationships and to other relationships that are more similar to them. Um, If we were to invest as organizations and businesses across the world more in trying to take care of our existing clientele, I think that we would reap much higher profits in our growth activities than going after brand new logos. The other realities that I think businesses have to face today is is really in the fact that it's so hard to find talent to both um, acquire uh, the right clients and then grow those right clients uh, and serve them properly. And so if you're if you're able to retain a staff and a team that is building strong relationships with existing clientele, I think in that scenario those relationships and that focus are going to be far more profitable and beneficial to the organization than taking all of your resources and moving over to the new new uh, acquisition side of the, the table. You touched on a really interesting point there, actually. You mentioned around um, within your existing customer base, being able to identify similar customers to those 
customers that are offering you high value. Um, would you mind expanding on that a little bit? Because I think that that's a really interesting point. Absolutely. In our organization at Raymond, we like to talk about right fit clients. Um, those clients that really want to leverage um, us in a, a broad way to assist them in achieving their um, short-term and long-term goals. So for us, as we look at those types of clients, when we deepen those relationships with those clients and broaden them effectively, we're a professional services organization that can bring many things to the table to help them with uh, their business as well as them individually um, within their lives uh, for their financial wellness. So when we look at everything that we can do for a client, bringing all of that value to the table and allowing them to enjoy and embrace all that value, we find that it's amazing how those strong relationships that are uh, are really right fit for us because they can enjoy all of the different services that we provide, those right fit relationships when focused on seem to grow at a much faster relation, uh, much faster rate than relationships that may be one or two service purchasers. And, it, and it's it's interesting as well, because we talk about obviously the comparison between it's far more expensive to acquire customers than it is to retain customers. But obviously the other side of the coin is if it's the wrong fit customer, they can actually end up costing you money. So that's why I think it's a really good point that you made there. It's not just about retaining customers. It's about understanding who the right fit is and retaining those kind of customers rather than the ones that are a poor fit for your business for whatever reason. So many people get confused in the selling process that um, as an organization, you're, you're, you're pushing yourself on, on to a potential buyer and trying to convince them to purchase your products or services. I'm not an advocate for that. I'm an advocate for going through a collaborative process with a prospective client, really understanding if the fit is right. And if you understand what those variables for your organization are for determining what a right fit client is, you can avoid the wrong fit clients that don't grow for the future, cause more problems, don't pay quickly, don't give you referrals, and many times aren't the types of clients that your staff, which is so incredibly difficult to um, find, train, and retain, um, if, if you create scenarios where the staff doesn't enjoy working with wrong fit clients, then you're going to have retention problems with your team. Absolutely. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, we alluded at the top of the show that you were going to share some of the core customer experience principles and strategies um, that you implement with your clients to help them better engage with your customers. I'd love for you to go into a little bit more detail around what those principles are. Absolutely. I, I'm going to talk about um, three things quickly that I think most organizations can apply. Um, the first is the, the set of listening strategies. I, I don't think that business listens to their customers nearly enough. I think we do many times surveys uh, as, as uh, organizations, both business uh, to business and business consumer. Uh, but, but I don't think that that organizations are taking that information and using it strategically to make good decisions. And I think that that needs to be done. So I think there are really three things that needs to happen. I think 
surveys need to inform and guide both on the individual feedback as well as on the generic feedback on directionality of what needs to be done strategically and operationally for a business. But I think that that information should guide both individual interviews with key clients, key right fit clients, as well as um, help in the formation of client advisory panels that can help shape the directionality of where your business goes next to make it even a better experience for the clients that you work with. So I think those listening strategies of surveys, individual interviews, and client advisory panels can really empower the right strategic and operational decisions. The second thing I think that is important is to truly understand the path that your customers go through and the experience that they have. There's a process called you know, customer journey mapping. That process is more than just looking at the step-by-step that a client may go through from becoming aware, going through a selection process to buy your product or service, onboarding um, in, into the relationship, uh, going through service cycles with you, and then potentially offboarding. That, that client journey can be mapped out so that you can understand it both from a technical operational standpoint, but also from an empathetic view from the client. How does the customer feel at each stage of that client journey? And where are the opportunities to reduce friction and challenges they face in that journey and optimize moments that I like to call wow experiences? Where can we engineer more of those wow experiences that really can create delight and loyalty and uh, what some people like to call customer love? Uh, and the final thing that I would, would uh, encourage organizations to really focus on is activating promoters. In the world of uh, net promoter scores, um, that likelihood to refer, um, there's a 10-point scale. Those individual clients who give you a score of a 9 or a 10 are called promoters. To know who really loves you and who is likely to refer you buy more from you, pay more to you, and build and expand wallet share with your organization, focusing on those and activating those relationships is far more important in any type of client experience program, I think, um, than we realize. Too often when people think about client experience, they think about what do we do to fix the problems or the unhappy customers, where the most potential resides in how do I identify and understand those happy right fit clients and bring and deliver more value to them so that we can maximize the value uh, that they receive and, and the value and uh, return on investment that we as an organization receive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that leads on nicely to my next question, actually, um, because you're talking there around net promoter score and identifying who those promoters are. But the key thing that you said there was actually activating those promoters. It's not just enough to understand who they are, what your overall net promoter score is, what are you actually going to do with that data? And so I'd love for you to share some examples. It doesn't have to necessarily be around NPS, um, but just examples of campaigns that you run with clients um, that's helped to turn more of their customers into loyal fans and active promoters. Absolutely. One of the, my favorite uh, 
programs. It was a multimedia program that we had run to focus both on clients and new prospects. And it was called at the time, uh, the headline was, I love my accountant. And uh, uh, certainly in the world of professional services, the entire concept uh, and application of the word love is sort of a, a foreign idea. And so we played on that uh, connection of human emotion because it was really a part of our brand to do advertising, uh, testimonial campaigns, direct mail, and also created integration points with clients where our advisors and teams would go out with um, both interviews and testimonial information to share with clients to talk about how we could continue to build and expand that sort of love relationship that we had with the clients. And it was very successful. And we, we received uh, a lot of uh, national uh, recognition for the program, as well as a lot of positive feedback from our clients. So that, I think, in the theme of customer love is, is sort of a, a fun anecdote. But one of the things that I think that um, I'm really drawn to and, and work with our organization on is, is focusing in on understanding each unique client and understanding their uh, unique interests and needs. So many times uh, organizations get caught up in saying, hey, let's buy a bunch of branded products with our logo on them, and we're going to hand those, those items out, and somehow that gift to a client is going to create some type of connection point and value. And uh, throughout my career in working in marketing and sales, I, I certainly have purchased plenty of that, that type of, of thing. But I've come to learn throughout the years is truly understanding each customer and what motivates them that you can can use gifts as creating meaningful connection points um, that are far more beneficial than logoed merchandise um, i've got a great example that i want to share with you um, one of our clients uh, owns a business and she's also uh, an affluent woman who we do a lot of personal wealth management activity for she can buy uh, and can get anything that, that she perhaps wants or, or buy any experience that, that she has. So when we're thinking about how do we really let her know that she's important to us, um, we talked with the ser service team, brought them together and said, what can we do that's special for that individual? And one of the persons uh, on the team, an administrative assistant said, well, you know, this is sort of an odd thing, but she really loves tulips. And we said, well, tell us more about that. Well, it's just her favorite flower. She has a lot of items in her house that have tulip print and all this type of thing. So what we started doing for that client was two days before her birthday each year, we have uh, ordered and shipped in uh, what are French tulips, which are huge oversized tulips, really that that uh, when they come in, they're really the the shape and size of a of a fist point pointed they're just huge they're they're so much larger than what most tulips are but we have those shipped to her house so that um, within two days of her birthday uh, I don't know if you're aware but tulips once 
replaced in water will generally grow um, two or three more inches and begin to open up gently to show the true beauty of the tulip, but that takes a little bit of time. So we put a little bit of thought and process in, into saying, what is something that she loves that we can embrace and support for her and provide to her that that somebody else might not think of or take the time to do? And it doesn't have our uh, logo on it, but I can promise you everybody who entered her home got to hear the story of how Raymond provides those tulips to her and what that means to her. I thought at one point you were going to say that the tulips opened up to produce Raymond's logo or something like that. <laughs> or they opened up and said, yes, uh, happy birthday from Raymond. But no, no, that uh, I'm sure with uh, artificial intelligence in the future, we may be able to create something like that. But who knows? Could be an idea for the next campaign, Mitch. Um, yes. We've um, we've covered some fantastic ground today. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you um, was... Um, what kind of advice could you give to customer experience teams to enable them to build a powerful business case um, to the C-suite and, and senior executives to invest more in customer experience? Yeah, the, the most important thing for anybody who's trying to speak to the C-suite is to speak from the customer's voice, not their own. The power of feedback from clients to help create the vision for what the future should and can be is the ultimate answer for how you can sell anything to the C-suite because their feedback and data becomes the foundation of any ideation of, of what needs to be done to re-engineer the client experience or improve the client experience. Usually those things require resources, time, and energy to do that. Um, uh, an example um, of what we did at Raymond uh, was we wanted to understand how we should invest to improve the digital user experience. And so we brought together an advisory council of clients and associates that teamed together to understand the entire client journey from a digital perspective. And through that process, it led to the requirement and the need to completely re-engineer our client portal, to re-design uh, and, and institute a new onboarding program that would would allow us to you know really uh, blend the user experience with a human experience and ultimately helped us support the investment in our website in creating that as the, sort of the virtual headquarters so uh, those types of 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 advisory panels can help inform and guide, but that led, that, that client feedback led to the ideation of what needed to be done. And it was a multi-million dollar investment that ended up being made to create those outcomes for the improvements that a small client advisory panel helped us understand needed to be made. It's fantastic. Getting a customer a seat at the top table in a business, that's brilliant. Mitch, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's been great to be here. Thank you uh, so much. I'm a huge believer in, in customer love.
You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.